Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll check in with some local farmers and find out how the crop is coming along. Also, Glendalee Allen Vossler will discuss Health Canada's proposal to put a warning label on ground beef and pork. Up first in today's country comment, I'll chat with Ducks Unlimited about their Hay Tender program. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Ducks Unlimited is making almost 2,200 acres of hayland available to Manitoba farmers who suffered through historic dry conditions and cattle feed shortages last year. Cam Ross is Grasslands Manager with Ducks Unlimited. We understand how important it is to uh, manage our grasslands that we have, and the best way that we can do that is working with local producers. Um, so through this hay tender program, we offer thousands of acres each year um, for, for local producers to get a chance. They can uh, bid on it, and if they're successful, they can uh, take that property for hay and have feed for the winter. And uh, what area of the province is this focused on? Uh, mostly in the southwest side of the province um, is where we have the properties that we can put up for tender. And uh, just talk a little bit about the, uh, the bidding process and how that works. Uh, so to bid, you can go to ag.ducks.ca um, under Manitoba Programs and Hay Tender. You will find the bid sheet and the list of properties that you can bid on this year. Um, you can fill out that bid sheet online and email it in to the uh, email address listed on the bid sheet. Or you can print it off, um, fill it out, and either mail it in or fax it into the addresses listed on the bid sheet there. Um, you can also come into our office in Brandon at the Discovery Centre, and uh, we have some printed off sheets there as well. And again, the uh, what's the deadline on that? Uh, so the deadline is June 29th at noon. Um, afterwards, we will uh, go through the bids and award the successful bidder. And uh, they can go and access the property after July 15th to cut it. And Cam, uh, just talk a little bit more about, you know, how a program like this benefits uh, farmers, you know, after after such a dry year last year. Oh, definitely, yeah. It gives uh, it benefits them very much. I think it uh, gives them a chance to, to get some extra hay that they wouldn't usually have, um, especially if it's, you know, just down the road from them too. I think it, it really benefits local producers. Um, they don't have to travel far to get hay and they can... Um, get it at an at all right price as well. On a normal year, what would this land be used for? Uh, so we like to manage these properties once every three years um, through the state tender program. So in other years, it would be idle. And the main goal of these properties is to provide uh, nesting cover for not just for waterfowl, but for other grassland birds and wildlife as well. Um, so that would be the main purpose of those properties. So if anyone has any questions, they can uh, email me at c underscore ross at ducks.ca or give me a call at 204-868-8145. That was Cam Ross, Grasslands Manager with Ducks Unlimited. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. The Manitoba government has approved the province's first potash development allowing the Potash and Agra Development Corporation of Manitoba to start extraction and production in western Manitoba near the community of Russell. Gambler First Nation and PADCOM have developed a partnership, with Gambler First Nation participating as a 20% equity owner. Additionally, PADCOM will present community benefit agreements to several Indigenous communities in the area, the Manitoba Métis Federation and the municipality of Russell Binsgarth. PADCOM has completed the first part of the project, in which two wells were drilled to explore the local potash resource and determine feasibility. 
following the recent Environment Act license approval and signing of a mineral lease agreement with the province, PADCOM is authorized to move the development to the next phase of production. Dairy Farmers of Manitoba is committing up to $100,000 for Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association over two years. This will kick off with support of the MFGA Green Gold Program, which is designed to guide the optimum cut of alfalfa based on highest relative feed value. Here's MFGA Executive Director Duncan Morrison. The Green Gold Program is, is running again and it's up and I think we have around 21 fields. But what this allows us to do is really give it the attention, put the focus on it, and also to, of course, associate the dairy farmers to it. And, of course, when it comes to dairy cow chow, uh, alfalfa is, uh, is really important to them and, and the nutrients. Just a win-win. And the National Farmers Union has released the second edition of its report on greenhouse gas emissions from Canadian agriculture. Darren Qualman, the NFU's Director of Climate Crisis Policy and Action, says... The data shows greenhouse gas emissions from cattle are down 22% from their peak in 2005. Two things are happening there. One, the herd is getting smaller. It it went up quite a bit around uh, 2005, uh, partly due to BSC and partly due to just a, a expanding herd. And then it peaked in 2005 and has been coming down since. So that's what part of it. And the other part is uh, just a little bit more efficiency, uh, lower greenhouse gas emissions per, per head and per unit of beef. He notes the latest data from 2020 says emissions from Canadian agriculture and the production of associated farm inputs are up 35% since 1990, mainly due to emissions from nitrogen fertilizer. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Tuesday, June 14th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen Wassler will talk about Health Canada's proposal to put a warning label on ground beef and pork. We've been talking about Health Canada's proposal to put a warning label on ground beef and pork. Today, Glenda Lee Allen Wassler talks about the potential impact with Canadian Cattlemen's Association rep Tyler Fulton and Conservative Shadow Minister for Agriculture, Agri-Food and Food Security, John Barlow. Explain the concept of this and why the Conservatives are concerned about it. Well, this is going to be a uh, onerous, bureaucratic, uh, you know, higher cost uh, burden that's going to be put on producers, manufacturers, packagers, um, that is really... The only thing it's going to do is increase the price of, of food at the grocery store shelves, um, cause us some, some trade difficulties with the United States. But basically what this is doing is the Liberals are going to be putting a warning label on various products that exceed you know, a pretty narrow um, window of you know, the higher, you know, above daily intake of sodium, uh, trans fats, and sugar. Uh, but it's going to cause a lot of confusion for consumers who aren't going to understand what this is all about. So why are they looking at doing this? That's a great question. You know, I have not had a single consumer or a single Canadian, certainly not a, a single uh, producer that's thought that this is a good idea or has asked for this. So I, I honestly don't know where this initiative is coming from. Uh, this is something that's been in the works for a few years and we've been pushing back on it. Hopefully, uh, you're certainly hoping they've, they've realized the error of their ways and, and abandoned it, but uh, now it's come back and it looks like they're going ahead with it uh, uh, full, full steam ahead. According to the Conservative statement, if Canada actually goes ahead with this, 
we would be the first jurisdiction in the world to self-impose this system. We would be the first country in the world to be putting warning labels on single ingredient whole food products like uh, like beef and like pork. Uh, no other country has gone down this road. We, we know from uh, the initial early studies that have been done, this is going to cost the economy uh, and, and uh, the agri-food industry about $1.8 billion. And those costs are going to be passed on to consumers. There's, you know, that's just a simple fact of, of economics. And we already know the United States um, has listed front of pack labeling with Canada as a, as a trade irritant. So they are very well aware of it. And uh, so this will certainly um, or could potentially impact our beef exports to the United States uh, and groups like RCAF, uh, who are pushing for the return of uh, country of origin labeling, could definitely use this as a, as a tool saying, hey, you know, look at Canada. Even they don't think their, their beef products are safe or their pork products are safe. So. Why should we be importing those products? It, it really is, is nonsensical. And then when you think there's going to be a warning label on ground pork, ground beef, yogurt, some cheese, there's not going to be a warning label on diet soda or, or some you know, gummy bears. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. John Barlow is the Conservative Shadow Minister for Agriculture, Agri-Food and Food Security. Joining me now is Tyler Fulton. Tyler is a spokesperson for the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. And Tyler, let's get the CCA's perspective on the fact that Health Canada is proposing these warning labels. It's really concerning to our our members, uh, cattle producers across Canada. Um, and and in particular, um, you know, the, the cow-calf sector, which, you know, which makes up a several thousand, um, you know, members across the country um, are concerned because of the, of the real um, economic pressures that are on our operations today. Um, you know, you, you don't, <laughs> you can go back a few weeks here in Manitoba where we had success, successive storms that really um, had a, you know, had an impact on our, on our production in, in losing uh, calves. To, to really terrible weather, um, or you know the ongoing drought uh, that's happening in in southwestern Saskatchewan and and southern Alberta. Um, these these are factors that we can't control. Uh, we can you know try to mitigate those those issues, um, and uh, they've had a really major effect on uh, on the profitability of our farms, um, but. The front of package labeling issue is one that we, you know, we can have some influence on. Um, this is a, a, a something that really resonates with our members because they know um, that we can't afford to, to have another hurdle um, between the consumer and um, and our operations um, because the margins are so thin that uh, we just. Uh, it, it would be be another blow, um, another economic blow to the to the viability of our farms. Another concern has to be trade issues. The U.S. already kind of raising the flag on this, right? That's right. Um, so, if if Canada does enact um, this uh, this regulation uh, by by requiring a label on ground beef. It would be the only uh, jurisdiction in the world 
to do so. And so, um, it, to me, that just seem, seems very out of step with the rest of the world um, and all of the, the science and recommendations that are that are happening elsewhere. But it raises concerns with respect to um, how our trading partners may view this. Um, if, for example, our American uh, counterparts view this as being a uh, a barrier, a, a non-tariff trade barrier that um, that thickens the border and makes it more difficult for for them to, to ship uh, their product into Canada. Uh, quite simply, that is not a fight that we want to take on, especially in the context of the the resurgence of country of origin labeling happening down there. Um, we simply cannot afford to have any um, any restrictions or, or barriers or, or other hurdles um, that that slows trade between our two countries. It just seems as though it's one more hit to the cattle industry these days. That's the reason why this issue resonates so strongly with our members, um, because it feels like we're being targeted when we're down, when We've had such a tough go of it. Margins have been tight for five years or more, and uh, and then we've had these sequence of um, of of weather and climate related events that have really uh, had us struggle. And so um, it's it, it just makes it really uh, feel as though we're being targeted and um, and struggling to really. Um, understand what the motivation is um, given the great environmental um, outcomes that happen on beef farms across across Canada. Overall, final thoughts, key comments you would like to leave with people today? It's really uh, important, I think, that we all advocate and, and press to, to hopefully be able to uh, convince them to exempt the ground beef um, and ground pork, for that matter, um, for uh, exempt them of the rule um, that they're suggesting of placing a high, high in saturated fat label. That's Tyler Fulton with the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Soy Canada is hosting its AGM June 20th from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. at the Fort Garry Hotel in Winnipeg. The Miami Agricultural Society is celebrating its 25th annual rodeo along with the 113th annual fair June 25th and 26th. The Miami 4-H Beef Club will be hosting their interclub judging competition Friday evening and an open 4-H beef show on Saturday. The Roland 4-H Museum is open throughout July and August. The hours are 1 to 4 p.m. Call 204-343-2061 for appointments or for more information. And Manitoba Crop Diagnostic School takes place July 5th through the 8th at the University of Manitoba ENR Morrison Research Farm in Carmen. Sessions will be held from 8.30 a.m., Until 3 p.m. daily, the cost is $175. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Tuesday afternoon, 
With the recent warm weather, farmers have been making a good push with seeding progress. Rick Tilbury farms in the Milita area. He spoke with reporter Barry Lamb. We're probably about 85% done now, or 90, 85-90, 10% left. How has the last week to 10 days been? Uh, that's when you made a lot of progress? For sure, yeah. yeah a lot of crop went in around our area and on our farm here in the last uh, 10 days. How surprised or pleased are you that you were able to get it in? It was looking a little iffy there for a bit. Yeah, well, we're, we're getting it in. We're missing a bit. Of course, some of the lower areas where your best ground is are still pretty wet and water in some of them, but we're getting more in than we thought three weeks ago, that's for sure. With things backed up a little bit, uh, did that change your cropping intentions, or did you stick with the original plan? Mostly the original plan. Uh, pretty much stayed with wheat and canola and oats and uh, we did drop soybeans this year. We just felt we were getting too late for them. How about uh, flea beetles or, or weeds? How are things looking out there? Yeah, lots of flea beetles. We've uh, sprayed some canola already for flea beetles that you know that just come out of the ground not very long, and uh, they seem to be overpowering the, the seed treatment, so we have been spraying for them. There's lots of them out there. What's the expectation with this crop? Uh, obviously, some, some moisture in the ground this year. What are, what are the hopes? Well, we're hoping for a good crop because it's one of the most expensive crops I've ever put in in my farming career. The amount of the price of diesel fuel, the price of fertilizer, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's getting a good start. What we've got that we sowed earlier is up and looking really good. And weather-wise, what would you like to see over the next week or two weeks? Well, maybe a two or three more nice days, and then just some drizzle for a couple of days. Does just give everything a nice little. Soaking on top, the high spots are a little bit, they could use a bit, but the low spots sure don't need any. So just nice growing weather. That was Melita area farmer Rick Tilbury. Yesterday, I had a chance to catch up with Isaac Frace, who farms in the Plum Coulee area. We wrapped up Friday with our uh, edible beans and uh, and got the, uh, Saturday we got the um, grow project stuff in you too. So yeah, we're, we're wrapped up. Overall, you know, how do, how do things go this spring? Oh, it wasn't all too bad. We left uh, we left small puddles here and there. Uh, we put some stuff into conditions that weren't exactly correct, but uh, overall it wasn't bad. I uh, was a late start that we got. Uh, I thought it went reasonably well after that. Uh, what were the crops you planted this year? Oh, we did uh, try and corn again. We we're going to uh, do some edible beans, uh, wheat, canola, soy, perennial ryegrass. Are you seeing uh, some crops starting to emerge already? Or? Oh, yeah. yeah. did a tour this morning, and uh, soybeans are coming well. We got uh, one field of canola that's worrisome right now. The rest are looking reasonable. Uh, cereals are, are filling in the black spots that had till now been staying behind a bit, but they're starting to fill in. So outside of the one canola field right now, I think we're looking pretty good. What about weeds? Are those starting to come as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're not... They're never behind the crop, that's for sure. They're, uh, they're coming, and so uh, if we don't get going before the rain forecast for tomorrow, we definitely will be going after that. We'll be going hard. Have you done any, any spraying yet here this spring? Or Yeah, we've done a bit for flea beetles, and we've done um, a little bit of uh, grass control from last year's uh, volunteer stuff and, and uh, some barnyard grass. So a little bit of, done a little bit of uh, weed spraying and a little bit of, of uh, flea beetle spraying. And uh, tell us a little bit about the, the GROW project, what will be happening this year. Well, we, we had to change plans on the fly. Uh, we had planned to do soybeans there, uh, but because of the 
the tying up of equipment on everybody's farm and the dealers, and uh, because of the deadline coming up faster than we had hoped for, we wound up not putting in soybeans, so we switched, and we had uh, co-op float on uh, fertilizer and canola, and then we had uh, Stace Acres and uh, H&M Farms. They harrowed it in quickly as it was raining and after the rain, so it's looking pretty decent, actually. So, and how many, set of soy now. how many acres was that? That's the quarter section that we uh, rent off of Merle and Esther Giesbrecht at uh, Soto Rosenfeld. That was Isaac Fraze, Plum Coulee Area Farmer. He's also involved with the Chum Grow Project for the Canadian Food Grains Bank. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The National Farmers Union has released the second edition of its comprehensive report on greenhouse gas emissions from Canadian agriculture. Darren Qualman, the NFU's Director of Climate Crisis Policy and Action, says the latest data from 2020 says emissions from Canadian agriculture and the production of associated farm inputs are up 35% since 1990. The reason that the emissions are going up is because emissions from nitrogen fertilizer are going up. It's not driven by fuel use or cattle. Uh, emissions from cattle are actually going down. Uh, it's driven by the fact that in Saskatchewan, say, the amount of fertilizer used by farmers has quadrupled since the 1990s. Qualman notes the NFU is working with other groups in the Farmers for Climate Solutions Coalition to refine emission reduction solutions, including effective on-farm actions and supportive government policies. MFGA's Green Gold program is underway with a huge boost from Dairy Farmers of Manitoba, which is committing up to $100,000 for Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association over two years. David Weens is chair of Dairy Farmers of Manitoba. We've been uh, working in partnership with uh, MFGA for a number of uh, years now, especially through our, our Green Gold program, where they uh, take the field samples there early in the season. That helps to guide dairy farmers in terms of the uh, optimum time to start cutting alfalfa. And in 2021, the number of temporary foreign workers saw its strongest growth since 2016. Canada welcomed 61,735 temporary foreign workers in the agriculture sector. That's up 11.9% from 2020. In addition, 30,695 temporary foreign workers came to work in the food and beverage manufacturing sector in 2021, up over 8% compared with 2020. In Canada, temporary foreign workers represented around one quarter of all agriculture workers in 2021. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll discuss this week's crop report. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.